Part six of the Astral Plane by C. W. Ledbetter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Phenomena. Though in the course of this paper various superphysical phenomena have been mentioned and to some extent explained, it will perhaps before concluding be desirable so far to recapitulate as to give a list of those which are most frequently met with by the student of these subjects and to show by which of the agencies we have attempted to describe they are usually caused the resources of the astral world however are so varied that almost any phenomenon with which we are acquainted can be produced in several different ways so that it is only possible to lay down general rules in the matter apparitions or ghosts furnish a very good instance of the remark just made for in the loose manner in which the words are ordinarily used they may stand for almost any inhabitant of the astral plane of course psychically developed people are constantly seeing such things but for an ordinary person to see a ghost as the common expression runs one of two things must happen either that ghost must materialize or that person must have a temporary flash of psychic perception but for the fact that neither of these events is a common one ghosts would be met with in our streets as frequently as living people churchyard ghosts if the ghost is seen hovering about a grave it is probably the etheric shell of a newly buried person though it may be the astral body of a living man haunting in sleep the tomb of a friend or again it may be a materialized thought form that is an artificial elemental created by the energy with which a man thinks of himself as present in that particular spot these varieties would be easily distinguishable one from the other by any one accustomed to use astral vision but an unpractised person would be quite likely to call them all vaguely ghosts apparitions at the time of death are by no means uncommon and are very often really visits paid by the astral form of the dying man just before what we elect to call the moment of dissolution though here again they are quite likely to be thought forms called into being by his earnest wish to see some friend once more before he passes into an unfamiliar condition haunted localities apparitions at the spot where some crime was committed are usually thought forms projected by the criminal who whether living or dead but most especially when dead is perpetually thinking over again and again the circumstances of his action and since these thoughts are naturally specially vivid in his mind on the anniversary of the original crime it is often only on that occasion that the artificial elementals he creates are strong enough to materialize themselves to ordinary sight a fact which accounts for the periodicity of some manifestations of this class another point in reference to such phenomena is that wherever any tremendous mental disturbance has taken place wherever overwhelming terror pain sorrow hatred or indeed any kind of intense passion has been felt an impression of so very marked a character has been made upon the astral light that a person with even the faintest glimmer of psychic faculty cannot be but deeply impressed by it and it would need but a slight temporary increase of sensibility to enable him to visualize the entire scene to see the event in all its detail apparently taking place before his eyes and in such a case he would of course report that the place was haunted 
and that he had seen a ghost indeed people who are as yet unable to see psychically under any circumstances are frequently very unpleasantly impressed when visiting such places as we have mentioned there are many for example who feel uncomfortable when passing the site of tyburn tree or cannot stay in the chamber of horrors at madame tussaud's though they may not be in the least aware that their discomfort is due to the dreadful impressions in the astral light which surround places and objects redolent of horror and crime and to the presence of the loathsome astral entities which always swarm about such centres family ghosts the family ghost whom we generally find in the stock stories of the supernatural as an appanage of the feudal castle may be either a thought form or an unusually vivid impression in the astral light or again he may really be an earth-bound ancestor still haunting the scenes in which his thoughts and hopes centred during life bell ringing stone throwing etc another class of hauntings which take the form of bell ringing stone throwing or the breaking of crockery has already been referred to and is almost invariably the work of elemental forces either set blindly in motion by the clumsy efforts of an ignorant person trying to attract the attention of his surviving friends or intentionally employed by some childishly mischievous nature spirit the nature spirits are also responsible for whatever of truth there may be in all the strange fairy stories which are so common in certain parts of the country sometimes a temporary accession of clairvoyance which is by no means uncommon among the inhabitants of lonely mountainous regions enables some belated wayfarer to watch their joyous gambols sometimes strange tricks are played upon some terrified victim and a glamour is cast over him making him for example see houses and people where he knows none really exist and this is frequently no mere momentary delusion for a man will sometimes go through quite a long series of imaginary but most striking adventures and then suddenly find that all his brilliant surroundings have vanished in a moment leaving him standing in some lonely valley or on some wind-swept plain on the other hand it is by no means safe to accept as founded on fact all the popular legends on the subject for the grossest superstition is often mingled with the theories of the peasantry about these beings as was shown by a recent terrible murder case in ireland to the same entities must be attributed a large portion of what are called physical phenomena at spiritualistic seances indeed many a seance has been given entirely by these mischievous creatures and such a performance might easily include many very striking items such as the answering of questions and delivery of pretended messages by raps or tilts the exhibition of spirit lights the apport of objects from a distance the reading of thoughts which were in the mind of any person present the precipitation of writings or drawings and even materializations in fact the nature spirits alone if any of them happened to be disposed to take the trouble could give a seance equal to the most wonderful of which we read for though there may be certain phenomena which they would not find it easy to reproduce their marvellous power of glamour would enable them without difficulty to persuade the entire circle that these phenomena also had duly occurred unless indeed there were present a trained observer who understood their arts and knew how to defeat them as a general rule whenever silly tricks or practical jokes are played at a seance we may infer the presence 
either of low-class nature spirits or of human beings who were of a sufficiently degraded type to find pleasure in such idiotic performances during life communicating entities as to the entities who may communicate at a seance or may obsess and speak through an entranced medium their name is simply legion there is hardly a single class among all the varied inhabitants of the astral plane from whose ranks they may not be drawn though after the explanations given it will be readily understood that the chances are very much against their coming from a high one a manifesting spirit may be exactly what it professes to be but on the whole the probabilities are that it is nothing of the kind and for the ordinary sitter there is absolutely no means of distinguishing the true from the false since the extent to which a being having all the resources of the astral plane at his command can delude a person on the physical plane is so great that no reliance can be placed even on what seems the most convincing proof if something manifests which announces itself as a man's long-lost brother he can have no certainty that its claim is a just one if it tells him of some fact known only to that brother and to himself he remains unconvinced for he knows that it might easily have read the information from his own mind or from his surroundings in the astral light even if it goes still further and tells him something connected with his brother of which he himself is unaware but which he afterwards verifies he still realises that even this may have been read from the astral record or that what he sees before him may be only the shade of his brother and so possess his memory without in any way being himself it is not for one moment denied that the important communications have sometimes been made at seances by entities who in such cases have been precisely what they said they were all that is claimed is that it is quite impossible for the ordinary person who visits a seance ever to be certain that he is not being cruelly deceived in one or other of half a dozen different ways there have been a few cases in which members of the lodge of occultists referred to above as originating the spiritualistic movement have themselves given through a medium a series of valuable teachings on deeply interesting subjects but this has invariably been at strictly private family seances not at public performances for which money has been paid astral resources to understand the methods by which a large class of physical phenomena are produced it is necessary to have some comprehension of the various resources mentioned above which a person functioning on the astral plane finds at his command and this is a branch of the subject which it is by no means easy to make clear especially as it is hedged about with certain obvious necessary restrictions it may perhaps help us if we remember that the astral plane may be regarded as in many ways only an extension of the physical and the idea that matter may assume the etheric state in which though intangible to us it is yet purely physical may serve to show us how the one melts into the other in fact in the hindu conception of jagrat or the waking state the physical and astral planes are combined its seven subdivisions corresponding to the four conditions of physical matter and the three broad divisions of astral matter explained above with this thought in our minds it is easy to move a step further and grasp the idea that astral vision or rather astral perception may from one point of view 
be defined as the capability of receiving an enormously increased number of different sets of vibrations in our physical bodies one small set of slow vibrations is perceptible to us as sound another small set of much more rapid vibrations affects us as light and again another set as electric action but there are immense numbers of intermediate vibrations which produce no result which our physical senses can cognize at all now it will be readily seen that if all or even some only of these intermediates with all the complications producible by differences of wavelength are perceptible on the astral plane our comprehension of nature might be very greatly increased on that level and we might be able to acquire much information which is now hidden from us clairvoyance it is admitted that some of these pass through solid matter with perfect ease so that this enables us to account scientifically for some of the peculiarities of astral vision though those minds to which the theory of the fourth dimension commends itself find in it a neater and more complete explanation it is clear that the mere possession of this astral vision by a being would at once account for his capability to produce many results that seem very wonderful to us such for example as the reading of a passage from a closed book and when we remember furthermore that this faculty includes the power of thought reading to the fullest extent and also when combined with the knowledge of the projection of currents in the astral light that of observing a desired object in almost any part of the world we see that a good many of the phenomena of clairvoyance are explicable even without rising above this level of course true trained and absolutely reliable clairvoyance calls into operation an entirely different set of faculties but as these belong to a higher plane than the astral they form no part of our present subject prevision and second sight the faculty of accurate prevision again appertains altogether to that higher plane yet flashes or reflections of it frequently show themselves to purely astral sight more especially among simple-minded people who live under suitable conditions what is called second sight among the highlanders of scotland being a well-known example another fact which must not be forgotten is that any intelligent inhabitant of the astral plane is not only able to perceive these etheric vibrations but can also if he has learnt how it is done adapt them to his own ends or himself set them in motion astral forces it will be readily understood that superphysical forces and the methods of managing them are not subjects about which much can be written for publication at present though there is reason to suppose that it may not be very long before at any rate some applications of one or two of them come to be known to the world at large but it may perhaps be possible without transgressing the limits of the permissible to give so much of an idea of them as shall be sufficient to show in outline how certain phenomena are performed all who have much experience of spiritualistic seances at which physical results are produced must at one time or another have seen evidence of the employment of practically resistless force in for example the instantaneous movement of enormous weights and so on and if of a scientific turn of mind they may perhaps have wondered whence this force was obtained and what was the leverage employed as usual in connection with astral phenomena there are several ways in which such work may have been done but it will be great enough for the moment to hint at four 
etheric currents first there are great etheric currents constantly sweeping over the surface of the earth in volume which makes their power as irresistible as that of the rising tide and there are methods by which this stupendous force may be safely utilized though unskilful attempts to control it would be fraught with frightful danger etheric pressure secondly there is what can best be described as an etheric pressure somewhat corresponding to though immensely greater than the atmospheric pressure in ordinary life we are as little conscious of one of these pressures as we are of the other but nevertheless they both exist and if science were able to exhaust the ether from a given space as it can exhaust the air the one could be proved as readily as the other the difficulty of doing that lies in the fact that matter in the etheric condition freely interpenetrates matter in all states below it so that there is as yet no means within the knowledge of our physicists by which any given body of ether can be isolated from the rest practical occultism however teaches how this can be done and thus the tremendous force of etheric pressure can be brought into play latent energy thirdly there is a vast store of potential energy which has become dormant in matter during the involution of the subtle into the gross and by changing the condition of the matter some of this may be liberated and utilized somewhat as latent energy in the form of heat may be liberated by a change in the condition of visible matter sympathetic vibration fourthly many striking results both great and small may be produced by an extension of a principle which may be described as that of sympathetic vibration illustrations taken from the physical plane seem generally to misrepresent rather than elucidate astral phenomena because they can never be more than partially applicable but the recollection of two simple facts of ordinary life may help to make this important branch of our subject clearer if we are careful not to push the analogy further than it will hold good it is well known that if one of the wires of a harp be made to vibrate vigorously its movement will call forth sympathetic vibrations in the corresponding strings of any number of harps placed round it if they are tuned to exactly the same pitch it is also well known that when a large body of soldiers crosses a suspension bridge it is necessary for them to break step since the perfect regularity of their ordinary march would set up a vibration in the bridge which would be intensified by every step they took until the point of resistance of the iron was passed when the whole structure would fly to pieces with these two analogies in our minds never forgetting that they are only partial ones it may seem more comprehensible that one who knows exactly at what rate to start his vibrations knows so to speak the keynote of the class of matter he wishes to affect should be able by sounding that keynote to call forth an immense number of sympathetic vibrations when this is done on the physical plane no additional energy is developed but on the astral plane there is this difference that the matter with which we are dealing is far less inert and so when called into action by these sympathetic vibrations it adds its own living force to the original impulse which may thus be multiplied manifold and then by further rhythmic repetition of the original impulse as in the case of the soldiers marching over the bridge the vibrations may be so intensified that the result is out of all apparent proportion to the cause 
indeed it may be said that there is scarcely any limit to the conceivable achievements of this force in the hands of a great adept who fully comprehends its possibilities for the very building of the universe itself was but the result of the vibrations set up by the spoken word mantras the class of mantras or spells which produce their result not by controlling some elemental but merely by the repetition of certain sounds also depend for their efficacy upon this action of sympathetic vibration disintegration the phenomenon of disintegration also may be brought about by the action of extremely rapid vibrations which overcome the cohesion of the molecules of the object operated upon a still higher rate of vibrations of a somewhat different type will separate these molecules into their constituent atoms a body reduced by these means to the etheric condition can be moved by an astral current from one place to another with very great rapidity and the moment that the force which has been exerted to put it into that condition is withdrawn it will be forced by the etheric pressure to resume its original form it is in this way that objects are sometimes brought almost instantaneously from great distances at spiritualistic seances and it is obvious that when disintegrated they could be passed with perfect ease through any solid substance such for example as the wall of a house or the side of a locked box so that what is commonly called the passage of matter through matter is seen when properly understood to be as simple as the passage of water through a sieve or of a gas through a liquid in some chemical experiment since it is possible by an alteration of vibrations to change matter from the solid to the etheric condition it will be comprehended that it is also possible to reverse the process and to bring etheric matter into the solid state as the one process explains the phenomenon of disintegration so does the other that of materialization and just as in the former case a continued effort of will is necessary to prevent the object from resuming its original form so in exactly the same way in the latter phenomenon a continued effort is necessary to prevent the materialized matter from relapsing into the etheric condition in the materialization seen at an ordinary seance such matter as may be required is borrowed as far as possible from the medium's etheric double an operation which is prejudicial to his health and also undesirable in various other ways and this explains the fact that the materialized form is usually strictly confined to the immediate neighbourhood of the medium and is subject to an attraction which is constantly drawing it back to the body from which it came so that if kept away from the medium too long the figure collapses and the matter which composed it returning to the etheric condition rushes back instantly to its source why darkness is required the reason why the beings directing a seance find it easier to operate in darkness or in very subdued light will now be manifest since their power would usually be insufficient to hold together a materialized form or even a spirit hand for more than a very few seconds amidst the intense vibrations set up by brilliant light the habitues of seances will no doubt have noticed that materializations are of three kinds first those which are tangible but not visible second those which are visible but not tangible and third those which are both visible and tangible to the first kind which is much the most common 
belong the invisible spirit hands which so frequently stroke the faces of the sitters or carry small objects about the room and the vocal organs from which the direct voice proceeds in this case an order of matter is being used which can neither reflect nor obstruct light but which is capable under certain conditions of setting up vibrations in the atmosphere which affect us as sound spirit photographs a variation of this class is that kind of partial materialization which though incapable of reflecting any light that we can see is yet able to affect some of the ultraviolet rays and can therefore make a more or less definite impression upon the camera and so provide us with what are known as spirit photographs when there is not sufficient power available to produce a perfect materialization we sometimes get the vaporous looking form which constitutes our second class and in such a case the spirits usually warn their sitters that the forms which appear must not be touched in the rarer case of a full materialization there is sufficient power to hold together at least for a few moments a form which can be both seen and touched when an adept or pupil finds it necessary for any purpose to materialize his mayavirupa or his astral body he does not draw upon either his own etheric double or any one else's since he has been taught how to extract the matter which he requires directly from the astral light or even from the akasha reduplication another phenomenon closely connected with this part of the subject is that of reduplication which is produced by simply forming in the astral light a perfect mental image of the object to be copied and then gathering about that mould the necessary physical matter of course for this purpose it is necessary that every particle interior as well as exterior of the object to be duplicated should be held accurately in view simultaneously and consequently the phenomenon is one which requires considerable power of concentration to perform persons unable to reduce the matter required directly from the astral light have sometimes borrowed it from the material of the original article which in this case would be correspondingly reduced in weight precipitation we read a good deal in theosophical literature about the precipitation of letters or pictures this result like everything else may be obtained in several ways an adept wishing to communicate with someone might place a sheet of paper before him form an image of the writing which he wished to appear upon it and draw from the astral light the matter wherewith to objectify that image or if he preferred to do so it would be equally easy for him to produce the same result upon a sheet of paper lying before his correspondent whatever might be the distance between them a third method which since it saves time is much more frequently adopted is to impress the whole substance of the letter on the mind of some pupil and leave him to do the mechanical work of precipitation that pupil would then take his sheet of paper and imagining he saw the letter written thereon in his master's hand would proceed to objectify the writing as before described if he found it difficult to perform simultaneously the two operations of drawing his material from the astral light and precipitating the writing on the paper he might have either ordinary ink or a small quantity of coloured powder on the table beside him which being already physical matter could be drawn upon more readily 
it is of course obvious that the possession of this power would be a very dangerous weapon in the hands of an unscrupulous person since it is just as easy to imitate one man's handwriting as another's and it would be impossible to detect by any ordinary means a forgery committed in this manner a pupil definitely connected with any master has always an infallible test by which he knows whether any message really emanates from that master or not but for others the proof of its origin must always lie solely in the contents of the letter and the spirit breathing through it as the handwriting however cleverly imitated is of absolutely no value as evidence as to speed a pupil new to the work of precipitation would probably able to image only a few words at a time and would therefore get on hardly more rapidly than if he wrote his letter in the ordinary way but a more experienced individual who could visualise a whole page or perhaps the entire letter at once would get through his work with greater facility it is in this manner that quite long letters are sometimes produced in a few seconds at a seance when a picture has to be precipitated the method is precisely the same except that here it is absolutely necessary that the entire scene should be visualised at once and if many colours are required there is of course the additional complication of manufacturing them keeping them separate and reproducing accurately the exact tints of the scene to be represented evidently there is scope here for the exercise of the artistic faculty and it must not be supposed that every inhabitant of the astral plane could by this method produce an equally good picture a man who had been a great artist in life and had therefore learnt how to see and what to look for would certainly be very much more successful than the ordinary person if he attempted precipitation when on the astral plane after death slate writing the slate writing for the production of which under test conditions some of the greatest mediums have been so famous is sometimes produced by precipitation though more frequently the fragment of pencil enclosed between the slates is guided by a spirit hand of which only just the tiny points sufficient to grasp it are materialised levitation an occurrence which occasionally takes place at seances and more frequently among eastern yogis is what is called levitation that is the floating of a human body in the air no doubt when this takes place in the case of a medium he is often simply upborne by spirit hands but there is another and more scientific method of accomplishing this feat which is always used in the east and occasionally here also occult science is acquainted with a means of neutralizing or even entirely reversing the attraction of gravity and it is obvious that by the judicious use of this power all the phenomena of levitation may be easily produced it was no doubt by a knowledge of this secret that some of the airships of ancient india and atlantis were raised from the earth and made light enough to be readily moved and directed and not improbably the same acquaintance with nature's finer forces greatly facilitated the labours of those who raised the enormous blocks of stone sometimes used in cyclopean architecture or the building of the pyramids and stonehenge with the knowledge of the forces of nature which the resources of the astral plane place at the command of its inhabitants the production of what are called spirit lights is a very easy matter whether they be of the mildly phosphorescent or the dazzling electrical variety or those curious dancing globules of light 
into which a certain class of fire elementals so readily transform themselves since all light consists simply of vibrations of the ether it is obvious that anyone who knows how to set up these vibrations can readily produce any kind of light that he wishes it is by the aid of the etheric elemental essence also that the remarkable feat of handling fire unharmed is generally performed though there are as usual other ways in which it can be done the thinnest layer of etheric substance can be so manipulated as to be absolutely impervious to heat and when the hand of a medium or sitter is covered with this he may pick up burning coal or red-hot iron with perfect safety transmutation most of the occurrences of the seance room have now been referred to but there are one or two of the rarer phenomena of the outer world which must not be left quite without mention in our list the transmutation of metals is commonly supposed to be a mere dream of the medieval alchemists and no doubt in most cases the description of the phenomenon was merely a symbol of the purification of the soul yet there seems to be some evidence that it was really accomplished by them on several occasions and there are petty magicians in the east who profess to do it under test conditions even now be that as it may it is evident that since the ultimate atom is one and the same in all substances and it is only the methods of its combination that differ any one who possessed the power of reducing a piece of metal to the atomic condition and of rearranging its atoms in some other form would have no difficulty in effecting transmutation to any extent that he wished repercussion the principle of sympathetic vibration mentioned above also provides the explanation of that strange and little known phenomenon called repercussion by means of which any injury done to or any mark made upon the astral body in the course of its wanderings will be reproduced in the physical body we find traces of this in some of the evidence given at trials for witchcraft in the middle ages in which it is not infrequently stated that some wound given to the witch when in the form of a dog or a wolf was found to have appeared in the corresponding part of her human body the same strange law has sometimes led to an entirely unjust accusation of fraud against a medium because for example some colouring matter rubbed upon the hand of a materialised spirit was afterwards found upon his hand the explanation being that in that case as so often happens the spirit was simply the medium's astral body or perhaps even his etheric double forced by the guiding influences to take some form other than his own in fact the astral and physical bodies are so intimately connected that it is impossible to touch the keynote of one without immediately setting up exactly corresponding vibrations in the other conclusion it is hoped that any reader who has been sufficiently interested to follow this treatise thus far may by this time have a general idea of the astral plane and its possibilities such as will enable him to understand and fit into their proper places in its scheme any facts in connection with it which he may pick up in his reading though only the roughest sketch has been given of a very great subject enough has perhaps been said to show the extreme importance of astral perception in the study of biology physics chemistry astronomy medicine and history and the great impulse which might be given by its development to all these sciences yet its attainment should never be regarded as an end in itself 
since any means adopted with that object in view would inevitably lead to what is called in the east the laukika method of development a system by which certain psychic powers are indeed acquired but only for the present personality and since their acquisition is surrounded by no safeguards the student is extremely likely to misuse them to this class belong all systems which involve the use of drugs invocation of elementals or the practices of hatha yoga the other method which is called the lokotara consists of raj yoga or spiritual progress and though it may be somewhat slower than the other whatever is acquired along this line is gained for the permanent individuality and never lost again while the guiding care of a master ensures perfect safety from misuse of power as long as his orders are scrupulously obeyed the opening of astral vision must be regarded then only as a stage in the development of something infinitely nobler merely as a step and a very small step on that great upward path which leads men to the sublime heights of adeptship and beyond even that through glorious vistas of wisdom and power such as our finite minds cannot now conceive yet let no one think it an unmixed blessing to have the wider sight of the astral plane for upon one in whom that vision is opened the sorrow and misery the evil and the greed of the world press as an ever-present burden until he often feels inclined to echo the passionate adjuration of schiller why hast thou cast me thus into the town of the ever-blind to proclaim thine oracle with the open sense take back this sad clear-sightedness take from mine eyes this cruel light give me back my blindness the happy darkness of my senses take back thy dreadful gift this feeling is perhaps not an unnatural one in the earlier stages of the path yet higher sight and deeper knowledge soon bring to the student the perfect certainty that all things are working together for the eventual good of all that hour after hour like an opening flower shall truth after truth expand for the sun may pale and the stars may fail but the law of good shall stand its splendour glows and its influence grows as nature's slow work appears from the zoophytes small to the lords of all through calpas and crows of years end of the astral plane by c w ledbetter read by phil benson